This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday edition, May 22nd edition of InvestTalk. This is the place where we talk about investing, about how how to invest, how to grow the money, how to protect the money, all kinds of anything about money, mostly about investments, as you all know. So you want to talk about, uh, we want to invest and manage your own money wisely, right? That's what we all want to do. I want to do it. And of course, Justin and I want to help you do that. Now, which group of workers do you suppose has often been thought of as the burned out and not technically savvy? Which group of workers? It's not the millennials. Of course, everybody's going to assume it's older workers bear that label, right? But according to Peter Chapiel, a management professor at Wharton School in Philadelphia, that is false. That the older workers are not burned out or not technically savvy. They are savvy. Isn't that interesting? It's going to be one of our talking points today. But first, we know we, you know you, are, you always know you want to ask questions, and we always try to meet your demand first. Um, and the timely questions are always important. So let's get to it. I really take your calls. I call call me now if your financial questions. You can call right this minute, any listener or any time. Our listener line is always open, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, eight 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 ninety nine chart. But we're live now, four to five Pacific time. So let's go ahead and kick things off with a call that came in before the program. Hey guys, this is Alias. I'm from South Texas. 25 years old. Very, very fresh to this investing discussion. Love the show. Been listening to it for a while. My question is, I know that there's some apps out there and some brokerages that allow an investor to, you know, start off at like $5 into a share. Do you suggest this as a good start off point for people with, you know, Less income than others, young adults like myself. I don't really have the two thousand dollars to start buying shares. I just I'm living paycheck to paycheck, but I'm still trying to save. Should I just start saving, or should I, you know, start saving in small amount percentages of shares? Thank you guys. I look forward to listening to y'all's answer. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Okay, you're probably talking about ESOPs, uh, where you can buy a share of stock directly from the company. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea, but I'd rather have you gather a little bit more money, maybe get up to $500 or so, and buy just uh, like Vanguard Index or Vanguard ETF of the S&P 500 Index. So, and the reason being is because you get instant diversification. In ESOP, you're buying a particular stock. Usually it's a bigger company because they're the ones that offer ESOPs. Um, but um, I, I don't think that's the best way. I think what you do is you should start saving, put a few, get a few hundred dollars together. When you get that few hundred dollars together, um, maybe 500, then go buy an ETF of the S&P 500. Now, when you do that, you've got to pay a commission, you know, of maybe $5, depending on where you open your brokerage account. You know, it depends on where it is. You'll have to pay a commission to make the trade, but the trade is like $5. That's why you don't want to do just, you know, $50, because that's 10%. $5 commission to buy $50 worth of stock is 10%. You want it to be fractions of a percent. 
So if you put five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, you know, one percent is five dollars. So that's why I like at least five hundred bucks. Okay, good, good, you know, good, great, you know, getting started is important. You just got to get started. Just start doing it. You know, and just be consistent at it. So I've, then save another $500, do it again, another $500. And yeah, if it takes you a year for the first 500 so what? You just got to do it, though. Got to do it. You know, a lot of people talk about it, but they don't take action. Now, you heard me say earlier that fair or unfair, older workers are often branded as burned out and not technically savvy. Well, in USA Today, a Philadelphia Wharton School professor says that contrary to what some may think, older workers have lower rates of absenteeism, less turnover, better job performance, and may adapt well to new technology. Because really, as an employer, what are you looking for? You're really looking for you know, a solid, consistent worker that doesn't give you any trouble. So... And now, faced with a wave of baby boomer retirements and a worsening labor shortage, many employers are trying to hold on to their older workers. Yes, employers are attempting to persuade some to return after retiring. And even recur those older folks who have retired from other companies. Employers are all offering, because we have full employment, right? Full employment and finding trained people is getting very difficult for employers. That's why they're doing it. And, you know, employers are they're offering flexible arrangements now, some part-time schedules. So that fits right into retirement people, right? So, remember, employers are hungry for reliable talent. And receptive, some are receptive to work-at-home setups. The insurance industry is one. 25% of workforces near retirement age in the insurance industry, but only 4% of millennials have expressed interest in the field. I don't blame them. That's why I started the insurance industry, and it is boring. Okay? It just is. Um, so this is according to studies by McKinsey, the management consulting firm, and the Hartford uh, Insurance Company. If the trend holds, it looks like employers, at least in some industries, want to keep their older workers in some industries, not all, because they want the skill set they have and that knowledge. They don't need to be retrained completely. Now, have you had any experience with this aspect of workforce environment? Salespeople, that's going to be one of my talking points, salespeople forced to retire early. It's not uncommon. I'm going to talk about that. And welcome your calls now at any time. Listener, the listener line is 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Some of the other topics I want to talk about, as I said, I was going to talk about the uh, forced early retirement and what do you do with that bad situation. Remember, early retirement, before you thought you were going to retire. Four lessons to learn from boomers who did it the hard way. When they say did it, it means reached financial security. And did you see the, um, the Forbes richest people in the 50 states? I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm going to show you, share some some of the richest people in the various states. There's three or four of them that I thought was interesting. And if we if we have time, I'll get to talk. I'll talk about the deregulation law that they passed today, a little bit, and whether it's good, bad, and different. We'll talk about that. Today, the market what to do? It was down. It wasn't. Down. It was doing fine for most of the day. It was up most of the day, but when Trump came out and 
spread some doubt about the meeting with the North Koreans. The market kind of turned ugly on that. So the Dow ended up down 179 points. The Nasdaq down 16 and the S&P down 9. Uh, it was it was not a good day, but it wasn't a terrible day either. Because it was up, you know, not a lot, but up most of the day. So, but that was after a big day yesterday too. So it's not a bad thing. It's just more of the same for us all. This is Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley with a quick reminder. May 30th is only eight days from today. Okay? And that is the date of our free educational webinar. Justin Klein and I will be explaining the power of fundamental technical analysis. It's a, these are tools. You gotta have they are you have to have these tools if you're going to try to manage your own money. And we're gonna try to help you learn to do that. If you're gonna make those buy and sell decisions on what you're gonna buy, what you're gonna sell, you need tools, you need you need knowledge. We're gonna give you some if you join us. It's free, free webinar. You register now at investtalk.com. You're listening to Invest Talk. Good asset allocation can lessen risk because when stocks rise, for example, bonds often fall. At a time when the stock market begins to fall, real estate may begin generating above average returns. Do you have questions about the ups and downs of investing? Call in 888 99Chart and ask about it on Invest Talk. Hey, Steve or Justin, Ben here from Mississippi. I have a little concern about a, a REIT that I bought last month. It's DOC. I noticed, I don't know if I missed this um, before I purchased the REIT, but the PE ratio is really high. And the earnings per share, the forward estimates are only 30 cents per share. I, I know if they if they pay 90% of their earnings in a dividend, that's it's not very big. I just wanted to know if, if my concerns are legit or if, or if I'm missing something, if you guys could look at that and uh, offer me a little nugget of advice. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Physicians Realty Trust, DOC. Um, I'm a little confused because I got earnings per share next year, $1.14, and earnings per share this year, $1.10, and an earnings per share of last year, 2017, $1.05. So consistently slow growth on the earnings per share, and the sales are increasing you know, 30 40% per quarter. So I got them making a dollar ten this year, dollar fourteen next year, and it's a fourteen dollar stock. So that's a ten PE next year. That's pretty darn low, paying a six point three percent dividend. I think that looks good. Plus, it's a REIT, everybody, real estate investment trust, investing in two hundred eighty properties located in thirty states. So it's a REIT, um, and you know I'm sure I'm sure they're all related to the healthcare industry. I'm not sure which part of the healthcare industry, but it doesn't really matter. Their debt level is not that high, low PE. Uh, cash flow is a little low, but they're going to pay 90% out So in a dividend. So they're going to pay, what, 90, um, 91, 92 cents? Uh, maybe a, you know, like a dollar? Okay, let's call it about a dollar per share next year they're going to pay on a $14 stock. So that's still a pretty, pretty healthy percentage REIT uh, dividend. Um, now, the stock has been going sideways uh, for since March. 
And frankly, if you want my own opinion, this is where you would buy it. You just hold on to it. You buy it here. Don't worry about it. You know, you bought it for the dividend, and you got good sales growth, not a lot of debt, and low P.E. I don't know where you're getting your numbers from, but they don't sound right to me. Of course, mine could be wrong, but generally, mine are probably correct, because mine is a, 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 an average of three different independents getting a P, you know, an earnings estimate from three different independent firms that that's what they do for a living. So, because I pay for it. Time for Investor Personal, everybody. What is step one in preparing for your retirement? Earlier, we talked about the fact that preparing for your retirement is more than just about money. AARP urges its members to first define what retirement means to you. What does it mean? You probably have some idea. You probably do. Um, you know, how you want to be, where you want to be in retirement. Do you want to be in a mountain, in a cabin, or... You know, the same house that you're in now. It doesn't matter. You probably have some idea of where it's going to be. Most of the time, it's near family, especially grandchildren. Okay? But what is that going to cost you? you got to figure that out. you got to figure what that cost is going to be. Okay? And you need to write down. Write down what you want to do in retirement. And then figure out how much those things are going to cost. Some people want to travel. Some people don't. My wife does not want to travel when, when, if we, and when and if we ever retire. I don't think we're going to retire, neither one of us. So try to limit the list, but write down your goals on that list. Write a list. Then keep, you know, you can always do your, uh, what, bucket list? And to know that, you've got to start a scrapbook for that. You really do. What do you want to do in retirement? Anyways, that's Invest All Personal. Do you know what your risk tolerance is? Take our free risk analysis tool and it can help you make sure your portfolio is a good fit with the risk that you want to take. You can try for free on investtalk.com. Call us now, 888-99-CHART. Back to the show with your live calls and questions. This is Invest Talk. The program that helps you grow your money. Taking your questions now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So what do you guys want to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about nine ways to invest in real estate without buying property. You don't have to buy the property. Well, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll go through most of them. You can do it through a real estate ETF, and you can do it through a real estate mutual fund. There's two. You can buy an ETF. I'm not talking about a REIT. That's another way. I'm talking about an exchange traded fund that, you know, collects, you know, real estate-related uh, stocks. For instance, I'll give you a simple, uh, a simple um, VNQ, which is Vanguard. Invest in stocks issued by real estate investment trusts. Okay. Or you can invest in real estate mutual funds, do the same kind of thing. And then you can buy, actually buy the REITs themselves. You can buy a REIT instead of a, 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 in, an ETF that buys a bunch of REITs, like I just suggested. REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. Um, you can invest in, like the REIT we just talked about, Physicians Realty Trust. Uh, you can invest in real estate-focused companies, real estate-focused companies, hotels, Resort operator, operator, timeshare companies, commercial real estate developers. 
You can invest in home construction companies. See how you can do a lot of different ways you can invest in real estate. You don't have to buy a piece of property yourself. You can buy a real estate property manager that manages other real estate properties. That's what they do. Uh, there's hard money loans, second, first and second trustees, third trustees. I would recommend, I would always recommend first or second trustees. Make sure you have a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of uh, value left in the property if they stop paying because it's a high risk. Hard money loans are higher risk. You know, so you want to make sure you get a lot of equity in those properties. But that's the way you can invest in real estate without having to go out and buy properties because that's very difficult and it's expensive. Uh, it's very difficult if you don't have the money, you know, and it, it takes a lot of money to buy actual real estate. And it's a lot more risk because you're buying one piece of property where you can diversify in different areas of real estate. Okay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So what's on your mind? What do you guys want to talk about? Um, I got a number of other things on my list. Um, um, four lessons to learn from boomers who did did it the hard way, actually made made it the hard way. I'm kind of in that group, I would think. The hard way is to work hard and put your money aside. I mean, that's the hard way. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and uh, talk. Uh, take a next call with General Electric. Go ahead. Hi, Stephen Justin. I was wondering what you think about General Electric at these levels, uh, ticker symbol GE, uh, coming off of a little bit of a low there. I know it's uh, had some troubles recently, but uh, wondering what you think. Is it on an uptrend, and would it be a good uh, good stock to take a flyer on based on the PE ratio and other, other fundamentals? Thanks a bunch. Love the show. Well, I... I Kind of like it. Uh, most people don't still. General Electric, it's, it's a $132 billion company. It's a stock that's trading for $15.29. But it went down all the way to like $13 uh, a couple of, beginning of April. Flumped around there and started to, started to recover after that. Manufacturing, transportation, energy generation, consumer appliance, industrial, medical equipment. It still has a lot of debt. It still has problems. And growth last quarter was up 7%. And, you know, that's not very good, but it's better than it was. And still, we're not quite sure if it's going to make it. Still pays a 3.1% dividend. When I say we're going to make it, I mean, I don't mean going out of business. I mean make it as a turnaround at this point. I kind of think it is. I, I kind of think this is, yeah, it may, it may go sideways for a while. It's possible. But I think fundamentally the business itself is pretty sound. They just got to get it, get it, get on the right path. A lot of analysts don't like it, but that kind of makes me feel like I want to buy it when the other analysts hate something. Um, especially a big company like this where I know that it has staying power. Smaller companies I, I worry about, but this one I wouldn't. GE, everybody, General Electric Company. So, yeah, I would consider it at this level. Um, I noticed the insiders are buying like crazy for, for a long time now. So, they think it's worth it, I guess. Management only owns 1%. Mutual funds were, are net sellers in the last year. Went from 2,700 mutual funds to 2,300 mutual funds in the last year. And, of course, that puts downward pressure. And right now, the funds own about 30% of the company. 30, which is a decent amount. Not too much, not too little. 
You know, you always, just as a something to learn, you always would like mutual fund participation in the stock you're buying because they're the ones that drive prices up or down. You and I, individuals, we have a hard time doing that because, because we're not big enough. We, can, we don't buy enough shares. We don't, we don't have the power to drive the stocks up and down. Where in mutual funds, you do have the power. They have the power. And so you want participation by them. You want, essentially, you would like the participation to grow, not shrink. GE has shrunk in the last year, but your whole, our hope is that, that they're done with that. Now, looking ahead to Wednesday, how to raise financially savvy children. But for now, I'm here to answer your question. I know how difficult that is, by the way. I have a lot of nieces and nephews, so I know how difficult it is to teach them being financially responsible. Call us right now, 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. There are two tools that serious investors can't do without fundamental and technical analysis we get a lot of calls from people who want to know how to analyze companies these two techniques kind of help you look under the hood there's competitors there's positions in the industry revenues income but you can't analyze stocks with fundamental analysis alone shorter term traders rely heavily on technical analysis that shows patterns there are trend lines and, and moving averages. It's not as complicated as it looks. It really isn't. Join Invest Talks Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for this free live webinar Wednesday, May 30th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. So we're going to pack a lot on this webinar. I hope you can join us. It's May 30th and it's free. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. All you do is register. Just go to investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's and investtalk.com and click on the invest talk tab invest talk is made possible by kpp financial with a broad range of investment programs tailored for real life to see more about them visit investtalk.com to talk with steve just call 888-99 chart 888-992-4278. Let's go ahead and talk to Brian in Santa Cruz. How you doing, Brian? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Listen, I'm on the, listen, I'm on the road, and I will uh, ask my question and then take your answer off the air. The only speculative buy in my entire portfolio was RRTS. I thought it was extremely undervalued at just under $4 a share, and now it's dipped down to two, and it's been playing around for a while, and I was wondering if you had any wisdom with regard to that because I know every single person – uh, that I read reviews from online are saying, yeah, that should be in the $8 range, and that's where it's going. And I know a lot of BlackRock owns a ton of it, and it's still uh, lingering. And I was wondering, would you uh, put more money and double down into that, or would you just uh, let it go? Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Roadrunner Transportation System is RRTS. It's extremely small. It's a microcap at $85 million. Okay, Um and it does appear to be pretty undervalued to me. It lost forty cents. It lost nine dollars and forty cents a share in two thousand sixteen. Nine dollars. It lost that. Now this year is going to make eighty eight cents, and next year a dollar four. And there's why it's a cheap stock because you know very volatile in earnings. And the problem I see is the growth rate is pretty small. 
but it's a two dollars and twenty three cent stock going to make a dollar four next year. That's a what two, three PE two two and a half, three PE. That's pretty cheap, and that's why everybody's saying, hey, it's going to go back to eight dollars a share. It was eight dollars a share at the beginning of the year. Today is two dollars and twenty three cents. This is a stock that you can roll the dice on, but you don't roll the dice on with very much of your money. You roll the dice on with very little of your money. So I do think this looks like it's basing right around $2.25. It's been doing that for back since about late April. And so I think this it's put in a bottom. It, it almost hit $2 in late April. Before, but that was only a one day and then bounced up the next day. So I do think this is where it is. I would not buy it because it's not steady enough. It's not strong enough. It's too small. And it would make me very, very nervous. I don't see any insiders buying now. They were buying when the stock was $8 a share back in 2016. But there hasn't been buyers, insiders buying since then. That kind of worries me. It's a cheap stock. Why aren't insiders buying this stock? Management only owns 1%. That seems unreasonably low. Mutual funds own a lot, 70%. Hmm. That seems unusually high for such a cheap stock. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess you, I, I wouldn't add to it, that's for sure. I might hold on to it if I already owned it, but I don't think I'd add to it because it's just very, very risky. And remember, don't put too much money into it. Don't. Okay, four lessons to learn from boomers, baby boomers, who did it the hard way. And these, we're, we're talking about is how, <coughs> how do you grow wealth over time, over your lifetime? This is going to be your job. One of your focuses, you're going to raise a family, all right, or get married, raise a family. Okay, that's one of your jobs in life, if that's the path you choose. But no matter what job or path you choose in your life, the path has to lead to some accumulation of wealth. If you want an easy lifestyle when you get old. Remember, when you get old, you can't go out and remake the money. Time's passed you by. Time is going to be a problem at some age. And baby boomers are all now suffering because most of them did not prepare. And here they are in their 60s. Lesson one. Don't get emotionally attached. Don't react emotionally to any market moves, up and down, sideways, don't act, don't react to it emotionally. That's a key in making being a successful investor. Lesson two: When you can't stretch your income anymore, get creative. Because you could probably out throughout your life, you may be laid off, uh, you may take a demotion. Uh, something's going to happen. You're going to have some kind of bad luck. Well, then you then you get you get tough. You, you get a second job. You work nights. You do whatever's necessary to keep keep that income going. You have to keep it going. Start saving for retirement early. The earlier, the better, because there'll be a lot less stress later in life. And don't touch your retirement funds. I don't care how bad off you are. Don't touch it. You have to have in your mind is not touchable. It's not yours until you retire. If you start dipping into it because you know, oh, I'm, I, I am going to be unemployed. I don't know why. You know, I'm, got, uh, I'm laid off. Well, you should have put that money aside for that eventuality already. Not take it from your savings account. And if that's the case, you go get two jobs. You go get three jobs. Don't touch your retirement. 
There's no excuse. In my mind, there's no excuse. And finally, debt will be a wealth killer. It will kill your income. Debt, debt, borrowing money, credit card debt, car debt, any debt. Now, I don't have a problem with buying a house using debt because that's an asset that appreciates. But any other debt, almost every other debt, kills your wealth because you're paying interest on it. You have to get to a point where you're a collector of interest, not a payer of interest. A collector. You People pay you. Don't be in this mindset, you know, I got to borrow money. You know what that tells when you borrow money? When you are in debt with a credit card, car, whatever, that, that tells me is you're spending more than you earn. And what is my rule? My rule is spend less than you earn and save the rest. And that means at least 10% of your income should be saved. I know it's hard. You know, don't tell me about it not being hard. I know how hard it is. I went through it kidding me yeah i know how hard it is but it can be done it's not like impossible it just takes a different mindset let's go to jay in fremont how you doing jay i'm fine steve how are you i'm good thank you for the call uh, steve uh, i have a question on selgin uh, it's a pharmaceutical company and it's fallen down a lot i uh, want to know if it's a good price to enter at this moment thank you Okay. A lot of these, uh, this sector has been beat up recently, so it's a good place to look for good value stocks because they've been beat up, but they'll come back. Now it's just a matter of been beat up enough, and now's a good time to jump in. So let's look at Celgene Corporation, C-E-L-G. C-E-L-G is the symbol. It is a $55 billion company. So it's a big cap company. So, you, so, so Jay, you know it's not going to go out of business. You know that for sure. Yes. Chances are extremely slow. Now, develops therapies to treat cancer, immune inflammatory diseases, and regulating cells and genes and proteins. It's going to make $8.53 this year. It's a $76 stock. And it's going to make $10.24 next year. And sales have been growing 15, 16, 17%. So why in the heck is it a $76 stock going to make $10.24? That means a PE... The P.E. is like seven and a half. And the five-year range is the lowest bet is nine, nine to 33. Why is that happening? Return equity is a huge 89%. So what is the problem? This looks like a really value stock. Okay, so, well, it has a couple of class action suits, but, you know, what kind of companies have class action suits? I'd have to read those to see what they say. Uh, they do have a lot of debt. Maybe that's what's holding it back, that debt. Um, but, man, it sure looks cheap. I'd have to do some research on the debt and see what that what that's about, some research on the class action suits, but I don't think they're going to ruin the company. And I do notice that there was in, insiders buying at $84 or $85, and it's now $76. Uh, Jay, I like it at this price. I, I don't want you to buy it yet because it still, you know, it looks like it might still be falling. But I, if it turns sideways for a week or two, I pick it up. It's really, really cheap. You got to do a little bit of research. Find out why they have so much debt. Maybe they bought another company. You know, that's not necessarily bad. And what are those class action suits? Try to see if there's any articles out there about them. 
But those are the only two dangerous signs I see in buying this stock. Everything else looks pretty good. Okay? All right. Thank you. Pretty good to call. That was Celgene Corporation. C-E-L-G. C-E-L-G. If you're not going to buy a stock cheap, are you going to wait till it's expensive to buy it? This looks like a pretty cheap stock to me. And it's big. 55 you know, it could be, it could be, maybe they're losing patents on something. That's why it's cheap. You got to find out. There is a reason. I don't know if it's a valid reason, but there is a reason why it's gone down. Just what is our Invest Talk Insider program anyways? We talk about it. Well, we give you market updates, forecasts, watch lists, special watch lists, a list of real estate investment trusts, a list of ETFs that short the market, a list of dividend paying ETFs. There's chart lessons. Special investing information sheets. Okay, it's all try to help you learn and manage your portfolio. It's all there. Okay? And, of course, an entire library of wealth webinars. And we're going to do one here shortly on the 30th. So get it all for free. Just visit investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab. Our InvestTalk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on InvestTalk.com. Hi, my name is Fernando. Um, right now, I contribute about 10% to my 403B at work. And I also opened up an IRA account recently. I can contribute about $200 per month. Um, that's kind of selected to, to various index funds. I was looking also at trying to open up an individual brokerage account. And again, not a lot to invest, so I was looking at more of the ETF route. But I was wondering if you think I should focus on kind of trying to max out my two retirement funds prior to opening up an individual retirement account. And what would be the pros and cons of focusing on one over the other or kind of doing a little bit to to both my both my retirement accounts and an individual brokerage account. I'm looking forward to your answer. I'll listen in on the podcast. Thanks. Okay. Uh, first, you would want to max out your retirement accounts and uh, probably the 403B if the employer matches your contributions. If they don't, then it could, you could use the IRA. Why am I telling you to max out your retirement accounts first? Because those are tax deductible this year. If you open up an individual brokerage account, that money is after-tax money that you put in there. So I'd rather you postpone taxes as much as you can. And maybe you, a Roth IRA might be something you think about rather than a regular IRA. It depends on your 403B and if they match. So the, the pro is that you get the deduct all your contributions from your taxes the year you contribute them in regular 403B and IRA. So that's the pro. The con, if you invest in the brokerage account, is not taxable. Tax deductible. Uh, if the 403B and the employer matches, that's a really big boost. That's free money. Why would you not do it? Not all employees do, employers do that, but if they do, you need to max that out. Okay, good question. Really good question. Okay. Uh, 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-992-4278. So if you are forced to early retirement, how do you respond to that? I have had a number of clients have this happen to them. 
And I notice that it happens more often in the sales industry. Sales, people in sales. Why? Because I think there's age discrimination. It's all hidden. No one talks about it. Everybody thinks, you know, it doesn't exist. But it does. And if you're a salesperson, male or female, as you get older, the perception is, is you're not as good as someone younger. They're more go-getter. You're slowing down. Whatever, are they paying you over? They're paying you too much. The perception is probably all wrong, but that's what it is out there. So, what happens if you are? What if you're in your early 50s and you plan on retiring normally, age 65 or something, or 67, whatever, and you're forced to retire early? What do you do? First of all, it's going to be a big blow to your ego. You know, the, the depression is the number one enemy of someone being forced to retire earlier than they're prepared. And it's very difficult to find a brand new sales job at 55 years old. No one's going to want to hire you, again, because of age discrimination. So you might get stuck. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, there's certain things you can do. Okay, I'm not talking about necessarily making money, but it's always a good idea to make, continue making money. But one is you got to kind of look at yourself hard and realistically and see if you have skills or hobbies that you can now take, do full-time, and is it possible to turn some of those hobbies or skills that you might have into making money? I'll give you some examples. What if you love woodworking? Well, you can make, do, make things, make doodads and sell them. Make furniture and sell it for people. Or whatever it is in woodworking you have. What if uh, you... you like playing the piano. Okay, let's just say you like it. It's a hobby. How about teaching piano lessons? So what you got to do is look at what you're interested in. Maybe you like to join, maybe you want to join clubs, like maybe a wine tasting club. Okay? Well, maybe you'll meet people in the wine tasting club or maybe you'll work for, you know, there's things you just got to expand your mind and think about what can I do. Maybe you like working with kids. You can tutor them. Make money that way. You don't have to make money, but what you have to do is keep busy. You can't just sit back and do nothing. That's a killer. We're going into our final segment. So step up with your money questions. you got to come now. 888-99-CHART is our anytime number. We can put you on live right now. 888-992-4278. We've got time for one or two more calls here on Invest Talk for this Tuesday, May 22nd. Tomorrow, how to raise financially savvy children. But now, do you have a question for Steve? 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Jesse from New Jersey. I uh, just had a question about Iconics Brands, uh, stock ticker ICON. I bought a small position in this. It's a riskier stock. Got beaten down a little bit. Uh, apparently, Jay-Z is uh, being called in by the SEC for uh, you know, some issues surrounding that. But other than that, the financials they just posted in the last quarter seem pretty strong. Seems like they're on a turnaround projection. Just wanted to get your... Uh, your thoughts on it. Again, I know it's a riskier stock. I'm willing to take a bit of risk on it. 
uh, especially for the price. But where do you think the target is for the stock if I'm going to hold and sell at some point? Do you think it can go up back to its $5 area, or do you think I should get out now and it was a bad idea to start with? Uh, appreciate the advice always, and I'll be listening on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Okay, this is a micro-cap stock. And remember, I don't like micro-caps, mostly because they generally don't make money. But this one does make money. It's Iconics Brand Group, I-C-O-N, Markets Apparel, Accessories, Footwear, Beauty, Fragrance, Products, Home Accessories for Young Men and Women. It's a $41 million company. That is really small. Really, really small. It's going to make $0.40 cents this year after making $0.78 cents last year, $1.33 the year before. So earnings are going down. Sales are falling 11 to 15% quarter after quarter. Still falling. You don't want to buy this stock until it turns around. I mean, that you already own it, but you certainly don't want to buy it. If you own it already, I'd probably stick with it. Probably. I mean, even at $0.40 cents a share, the stock is probably worth you know $4 a share. You know, But it depends on how deep those problems are. And, of course, I can't tell you quickly how deep they are because I don't know what they – I haven't read anything about it. But it's got problems, and the problem I see, the biggest problem I see is falling sales still. That that does not work. It has to turn itself around. It has to. Okay? Uh, ICON is the symbol. Um, I would hold on to it, but only because I've lost the majority of my money. It's a $0.68 cent stock. Penny stock. I don't like penny stocks. Don't buy penny stocks. You know, and remember my rules. Don't buy penny stocks. Don't buy stocks that don't make money. Okay? Don't, those are basic rules. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, the richest. Forbes puts out the, you know, the richest people in the world. And then they do a different list. Okay, but this one I'm looking at was the richest person by state. By state. And the one I've, I stumped everybody at the office on, I said, okay, who do you think is the richest person in Washington State? And everybody in my office said, Bill Gates, because that's where Microsoft is. That's wrong. You know who else is there? Amazon. Jeff Bezos is the richest person in Washington. $132 billion. How about California. Mark Zuckerberg is the richest person at seven hundred uh, at seventy-four billion dollars. Seventy-four. Though I thought those were the two most interesting places, and of course Arkansas would be the Walton family, right? Jim Walton. But what's really interesting, the richest person in Texas is also a Walton, Alice Walton, from the Waltons, at forty billion dollars each. Forty billion. Now. Which state do you think has the least wealthy, richest person in that state? In other words, that state has the richest person, but it's the least wealthy. Which state would that be, you think? Well, it's Alaska. And how much is the richest? And this is a whole family. Jonathan Hyde, Jonathan Rubino families. $310 million. That's all they're worth. I say that's all, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Alaska, it's a huge state, hardly anybody there, and they're only worth $310 million. So I, th- I think that was kind of an interesting uh, interesting 
an interesting stat. Now, out of all 50 states, how many do you think are women? Women. Nine. Nine of the states have women as the richest person in that state. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was interesting. Kind of a fun fact. Okay, here's your chance to get a valuable portfolio review. I'm traveling to San Jose next month, June 6th, to offer individual retirement reviews. To set up a time, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab, then Portfolio Review. I'm Steve Peasley, Justin Klein, and I want to thank you for making us part of your day every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.